0: Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever, and I'm so excited to introduce my guest today. Dr. Lee Frame brings nutrition and immunity together through clinical translational research. Her T-shaped expertise in health, wellness, science, and medicine was developed through her wide-ranging experience in biomedical research, from wet bench to clinical research, and overseeing research and education programs. Dr. Frame is building a GW integrative medicine research program while directing the graduate education programs and the Office of Integrative Medicine and Health. She's also co-founder and associate director of the GW Resiliency and Wellbeing Center. Her interests include the role of the microbiome and nutrition in health, the consequences of malnutrition in obesity, vitamin D as an immune modulatory hormone, research ethics, and social media sit back, relax, and give your GI tract an FYI. Dr. Lee Frame, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so excited to speak to you. So we've never actually met and I was just only recently introduced to your work. I was actually attending a plant-based conference for just as an attendee for continuing education just a few weeks ago. And I don't know about some of you out there, but Zoom culture, I've been, you know, I'll put the, the, education the conference is on and I'm like doing exercise and I'm cooking <laughs> and I'm eating and <laughs> it's so nice to be able to turn off your camera once in a while but I when you popped up I was like whoa like you had said certain things that I always say that are kind of weird like people don't always say like there's a few things that you popped out I was like oh my gosh we are so on the same page but then also I really stopped in my tracks because you are saying some really important information that's unique that's new in and what I've learned about plant-based, the plant-based conversation. So I was like, oh my gosh, I have to reach out. And I was so excited um, to to connect with you. And so thank you very much for being here today.
1: Absolutely. Well, this is one of my favorite topics so we can nerd out together. Oh, great. Yes.
0: Okay. Well, normally we talk more about like the personal story. So I'll weave some of that in, but I do want to pick your brain about this brilliant stuff on the microbiome. And um, I'd love to start. By asking you if you could tell us about what fueled your passion for nutrition and how you moved in the direction of a plant-based diet.
1: Great, great question. Um, so I have to say that nutrition was more of a hobby of mine um, growing up. And you know we had a big garden, and I just I loved food and cooking and all of those things. Um, and I was very interested in science, and I got very into science. I got a bachelor's in biochemistry. I became a research assistant at Johns Hopkins, and at that point, I thought I wanted to be an MD-PhD so I could do clinical research.
0: Um,
1: One thing led to another. I ended up getting into a master's program at Hopkins, and during that program, there was a lecture about armadillos, tuberculosis, and vitamin D not your everyday lecture uh, but it was talking about how this is a, an animal model of tuberculosis and you don't see that in a lot of animals and that's where they discovered that vitamin d was so important and that it was so important for the immune system and why when we actually prescribed back in the day for people to go outside for tuberculosis that's why it worked it was really a, in large part the vitamin d so i was like wow you could do really intense robust science And it could be related to nutrition. It was one of those aha moments, you know, where you're like, wow, I can do everything that I want to do. And so at that point, I applied to the doctoral program in nutrition. And from then on, it's been nothing but nutrition.
0: Awesome. I love it. So the lecture that you gave that I heard and got so excited about was titled Caring for the Other Half of Humans, the Microbiome and Its Relationship with with Nutrition. Can you summarize the beauty of that title? So, you know,
1: roughly there are about as many elements of your microbiome, so the bugs that live on us or in us, as there are cells in your body. So, they're roughly half of you. And it wasn't until recently that we even knew they were there. So, basically, we've been ignoring half of humans when we look, we're doing medical care. And as we're learning more about this other half of us, we're learning that really nutrition is not only foundational, but it's crucial and can actually be a treatment as well. So even for things we wouldn't have historically have thought about, for instance, irritable bowel syndrome, we're now using a low FODMAP diet to change the microbiome and allow these patients to live a more normal life.
0: Actually, that was one of my questions later on. Can you elaborate on, I always said FODMAPs, but you're saying FODMAP, so I'm going to take your expertise on that and the connection in terms of IBS and all of that. I think a lot of people don't know what that is, but I, I do hear people asking about this a lot.
1: So I think I, I've heard the pronunciation both ways uh, quite a number of different times. So I think there's not yet a settled on, you know, it's not really a word it's an acronym. So we, we can all say it however we want to, I
0: think. potato, um, potato. Fodemops, Exactly. Fodemops.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. But so I- IBS is really essentially uh, a microbiome that gets overly excited when it gets fiber. So the microbiome loves fiber. That's what it eats. That's what it, 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 It does everything that it does right it makes these beneficial products for our health all through fiber and if you give large amounts of fiber to the average person's microbiome someone that doesn't have irritable bowel syndrome no big deal everything is fine um but if you give it to someone with an ibs microbiome they have uh, cramping gas bloating and diarrhea or constipation none of that sounds fun so they generally have a very restricted diet kind of by trying to figure things out through trial and error. But we found if you do a very precise restricted diet for a relatively short period of time, so six months to a year, uh, this low FODMAP diet, that it changes the microbiome because those bugs that are in there that need that super high, easily digestible fiber, which is what FODMAPs are, they're the fiber that's like super easy for them to digest that they'll die down. And then when you reintroduce the FODMAPs in the diet, you don't see the same symptoms. So it's essentially using the nutrition, the diet, to change the microbiome so that you can then go back to having you know, your full, in most cases, a lot of them will actually go back to being able to eat most of these foods in small amounts. So some of the higher ones, like for instance, garlic or onions, maybe they don't eat them at all, or maybe they don't eat a lot of them, but all the other FODMAP foods, so all the other fibrous foods, that go back to eating them, and they no longer have those symptoms, which is pretty revolutionary.
0: Yeah, you're the first person I heard say that, and it's a good thing because it's really restrictive. I mean, can you explain exactly yeah. like what food maps would look like? Like the like you said, garlic and onion. But can you explain a little bit more? For those that so I have happen? to be
1: honest, I'm not a food map expert, and so oh. I don't have like ready made examples in my head other than the 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 garlic and onion ones. But yeah, it, it is. It's really restrictive, and I think it's one of those things there where there's a real danger if people think that it's a fad diet like oh i'm gonna lose weight on a low food diet you probably will because there's not a lot of food you can eat so so <laughs> so you probably will lose weight but that's not really what it's for it's a therapeutic diet to change the gut microbiome and it's extremely important that you start reintroducing those mops at the end of the diet because a lot of them are things that are extremely good for you right they're they're, they're healthy plants full of all different phytonutri- phytonutrients including fiber. Um, It's just getting that microbiome reset back to a healthier version where they won't have these rapid digestion of the fiber into carbon dioxide. It's really, it's it's what they're producing and having it in such large amounts, that's the problem. So if they have smaller amounts, then that's what we do in a healthy microbiome.
0: That's what I was thrilled to hear you say is that you could bring them back. I just think that's, that is really exciting. And it also talks about the diversity and, and the, the, um, how it's, everything is always varying and moving and shifting. And, you know, we think of our gut microbiome looks like this, but it's not exactly like that. And you talked in your, um, that lecture about the symbiotic relationship between diet and the microbiome and diet as a source of fuel for the microbiome and the fact that diet alteration may govern the microbiota almost five times more than genetics. Can you ex- elaborate on this?
1: Yeah. So that you know, that is from one estimate. So we, we can't really necessarily hang our hats on that being as an exact number, but just to give it an idea of how important it is. And, and the reason it's so important is that it's basically the environment that the microbiome lives in, right? So the gut microbiome is living inside whatever you're eating, or really whatever's left over after you've digested the majority of it. So, you know, the stomach does have, have microbiome. You do have an oral microbiome, but typically when we're talking about the gut microbiome, we're really talking about mainly the large intestine. That's the primary site where most of them are. And by the time your food reaches the large intestine, you've actually absorbed most of what's there. So what's left is largely fiber, Um, maybe a tiny bit of fat, but probably not. Uh, And then some sort of amount of protein, which there's a really large range in that. We don't fully understand that very well. But it's you're giving them what they need to survive and you are also giving them their environment. And in return, they are giving us things like short chain fatty acids. Well what do short chain fatty acids do? They're literally the food for your colonocytes. So the cells that make up your large intestine, your colonocytes, they feed off short chain fatty acids. So if you don't have a microbiome that's producing short chain fatty acids, your colonocytes will begin to starve. And when they begin to starve, they're going to have uh, looser connections with each other and your gut will become leaky and a lot of people have heard about a leaky gut and, and the negative effects you can have from a leaky gut. Well, a lot of it is related to your gut microbiome. And if we have a healthy gut microbiome and a healthy diet, then we have a healthy gut and we all know healthy gut is foundational to health. Now this is something we've re- we've realized in, in the 2020s that gut health is really paramount. And when you have something that's so foundational, it affects absolutely everything in your body. So thus, it can be even more important than genetics.
0: Amazing. Amazing. I love the dynamism of it all. It's just, it's so extraordinary. And I feel like we're just on the tip of the iceberg of what we know about the microbiome. And Which is the first thing I also, the first time I ever heard about this from you as well was, the individual nutrients. Like I've never even, that was, whoa, blew my mind. Like the different, you've studied the different nutrients and how that impacts the microbiome rather than just food and food elements. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, in, in science, we like to be very reductionist. We like to look at single elements and figure out exactly what that element is doing. And there's, there's really some support for that. Like there's, that's the scientific method. You only have to have one variable that's moving to really able to answer a question. And so that's what we're doing when we're looking at single nutrients. A lot of times there's supplementation studies, right? We're delivering this nutrient, seeing what effect it has in the gut microbiome. But to be honest, I think that that is missing a little bit of the story um, because people don't eat nutrients, they eat food,
0: right? Ah. So you're not,
1: you're not typically Can you just-, just...
0: Wait One more time, say that again. That is my biggest <laughs> call to action in the world and say it again, please. <laughs> People
1: don't eat nutrients; they eat food. And yeah, I'm totally with you. Right, we're always talking about protein, fat, carbs, all these things. It's like, yeah, but that's not what you're eating, right? You're eating, um, I don't know. Uh, you're having that's a bowl of cereal with <laughs> yes. these berries. Right, that's what you're eating. And and maybe those blueberries contain vitamin C, and they contain these other nutrients, but you aren't eating them individually. And I think that a lot of times we've really forgotten about that and there is thankfully a movement in nutrition science away from that for this exact reason because when you look at an isolated nutrient the effect that you see while it's it's typically the same as you would see as delivering it in a food the magnitude is really different so the delivery of vitamin c via a food versus a supplement is going to be much greater the effect is going to be much stronger in a food and we don't fully understand why that is, except for this concept, which we call the entourage effect or the food matrix effect. So the fact of having all these things together, they come into your body and your body is able to utilize them better. Um, and or you there's some sort of synergistic effect between the different elements that are in that food. So while looking at individual nutrients and understanding what they do is really important and very elucidating, it's also incomplete unless we're also looking at foods.
0: You are my sister. Where have you been all my life? (laughs) I say this, I call this macro confusion. That's how I've described it in my book. Yeah. It's like, we're so confused about macronutrients and we're obsessing about what's the perfect ratio. And there is no perfect ratio. And if you look at, I always use that study in the 2018 Lancet where the conclusion was both a high carbohydrate and a low carbohydrate um increase mortality and it's like what does that even mean and i feel like let's pontificate about what how significant it would be to change this conversation back to actual food i mean everyone is so confused for no reason i think this extends to like you're saying the micronutrients phytonutrients fiber cuz we don't eat that we eat food and it, it's like i think it's the most important thing we could do to change the confusion that is massively affecting our society when it comes to diet
1: Yeah, I agree. And a lot of times we see these studies where um, people will go off of their regular diet onto one of these trial diets, be it low carb, low fat. A lot of times it'll be both and you'll see improvements in both groups. And now that's confusing. um, But what it is often is because they're actually going off of a hyper processed diet to a lower processed diet because they're in this controlled feeding study where the food is being delivered to them and it's all made in a kitchen by a chef.
0: Yes, amazing. Okay, so based on all of your research, what would you say your top recommendations are for an optimal human diet? We won't hold you to this, but just just some thoughts on it.
1: Oh, I I have very strong thoughts about this because it's actually not as difficult as everyone thinks that it is. Um, So you want to eat a large variety of plants. Eat the rainbow, as many different colors you can get, including white. So all the different colors that you can imagine that would be coming in foods, And the keyword here is naturally so not talking about skittles right talking about (laughs) whole foods all the different colors uh, and get as much variety as possible and there's actual science behind that on so many different levels but looking at the gut microbiome the one thing that we see coming out of the literature time and time again is uh, diversity of the microbiome and how do you get a diverse microbiome well it comes from a diverse diet so Thus, we can, can pretty clearly say that a diverse diet is healthy for the microbiome. Um, and it's it's been that way for many different years. We we now know that the microbiome is part of that, but we've known for many, many years that a diverse diet tends to lead to health better health outcomes or a lower risk of disease. So we're just reaffirming that and now having a mechanism for why that is the case.
0: I know producer Stanford is out there smiling because... We, when I did <clears throat> when we did our show, what would Juliana do? And I always talked about the rainbow, and he would make it this hashtag like "Eat the rainbow, eat the rainbow." So he's, I, love it. I know he's smiling right now. And the way I sum it up too is just to make it into food context. I tell people to eat a variety of vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, mushrooms, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices, and in infinite tasty combinations because mm-hmm. those are the actual food groups, right? Not protein, right. carbs, and fat, right? Okay, so I, this is just a fun question that I would love to ask you. And um, I'm curious about what is a typical day in your personal diet?
1: Oh, great question. Um, so I definitely am, I have a lot of diversity on the weekends and at dinner. That's definitely where I focus my effort because it's really it's more um, feasible for me. That's something else that's really important. We have to, to live our life in a way that doesn't stress us out all the time. because Stress is not good for you. So I try to have my my lunch and dinner, or I'm sorry, my lunch and breakfast be kind of somewhat regimented, like a, a quick, easy grab and go. Um, and I don't know if I can mention it, but one of my favorite places, I have no relationship to them, is Daily Harvest, and it's something that I know that it's minimally processed, and I can quick grab it and go in the morning when I leave. So I I've sort of automated my lunch and having lots of different delicious plant based lunches, quick and easily accessible for me. In the morning my breakfast varies a little bit but it's usually um, predominantly varies with some sort of nuts and seeds and granola and then maybe a cottage cheese every once in a while that' maybe some yogurt switching it up um, but really that emphasis on getting all the different colors and i think starting with a, a group of berries in the morning is a great way to get started because blue is one of the hardest foods to get so get my blackberries get my blueberries get my raspberries then lunch i've got all sorts of different plants And then at dinner, that's when I I try to have a little bit of fun and pick something that I know I haven't been exposed to otherwise, like uh, just went to the store and got some mustard greens, because I know I haven't had those for like at least a week. So we're going to make sure we get some mustard greens in our diet.
0: Awesome. I like to think also another way to add variety. I'm I'm curious your thoughts about this is like I'll buy my produce from different sources or I'll get a different brand of things, like because you're getting it from different soil. And I always figure, you know, if you're just kind of changed up, even within the same food itself, like I'll get kale from different places, different types of kale, different, you know, um, just to add the variety in a different way.
1: Yeah. I mean, the soil is something we really don't appreciate and we should because it's the source of life, right? It's where everything comes from. Uh, It's where a lot of the nutrients in our food comes from or doesn't come from, unfortunately, in the case of many of our foods because they're grown in nutrient-poor soil or in soil that doesn't have a healthy microbiome. And it it doesn't have a healthy microbiome then you don't have a healthy plant. And perhaps that plant isn't bringing the important elements of the microbiome that we need for our gut when you get it because it wasn't in the soil that it was grown in. So yeah, absolutely. I think soil is super important, Um, and having a variety of soil sources probably is. It's kind of an insurance that if one of them is lacking one thing, hopefully the other one will make up for it.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay, so choose you now. The whole concept of choose you now podcast is really to get behind. What inspires you and what lights you up and how do you take care of yourself and the whole idea of like you're out there sharing this information and, you know, and inspiring people to eat healthier, but how do you, Lee, personally choose yourself now?
1: Oh, that's a great question. So one of my new roles is I'm now the Associate Director of the Resiliency and Wellbeing Center and I have to set myself as a role model. So it's actually allowed me to really choose myself even more than I was before because I am now acting as a role model for everyone at GW about how we take care of ourselves and so what i do is i actually put everything that i need to do for myself on my calendar like it's an appointment so i've got my my 20 minutes of meditation on my calendar i've got my hour and a half of yoga on my calendar and that way no one else can book that time with me and i know it's going to happen and rather than someone saying oh can you meet with me during that time say no i have an appointment because i do right i have an appointment with myself.
0: I love that. I think you said that in the talk and I thought that was such a great way to say it because it's so easy to let go of the priority and mm-hmm. you know say yes to things. And that's the way that you can't stay with your schedule. You can't prioritize yourself. And it's, that's a really great answer. I love that. So I want to say thank you so much for joining us, Lee, and for all of your work. I'm really, really excited to connect with you. And um, I look forward to talking to you again.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, eat the rainbow, eat food, not nutrients, I have found my long-lost sister indeed. If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, become a member of our Patreon page at patreon.com slash choose you now, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash choose you now to have access to exclusive content. Please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.